SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Warning. The following program contains shocking content that may give you a better or worse than pessimistic hope on anything you like, especially when it comes to your love of sports, entertainment, and even your own morning culinary experiences. Viewer and listener discretion is advised. I was rooting for Denver in the series, but ultimately, I'm rooting for the Lakers and LeBron to lose. And do I think the Denver Nuggets can beat the, the LA Lakers? No. You call these bagels? It's Bagels and Bad Beats with Scott Wetzel. Welcome to Bagels and Bad Beats with yours truly, Scott Wetzel, on this Thursday, September 17th. Yours truly sitting in for the next two glorious hours, taking your phone calls at 844-843-6879. Again, that's toll-free, 844-843-6879. If you want to follow me on Twitter, send a tweet. It is at Opposite Picks. That's O-P-P-O-S-I-T-E, Picks, P-I-C-K-S. Email me. Go to the website, OppositePicks.com. Hit the contact Scott icon and fire away emails, tweets, phone calls, maybe a little YouTube chat as well right here on a Thursday edition of Bagels and Bad Beats with Scott Wetzel. Well, what are we going to talk about today, you ask? How about the Dodgers are in, Big Ten's all in, Pac-12 says it wants to be in, college basketball wants in, Browns and Bagels in prime time, Brady and Arians are in sync, and we got Heat and Celtics in round two tonight. Coincidence? Not. Feed me brains. Uh, just what is the NFL doing? What's the deal with Beal? Fake news better than none by George. Is he bad? And a nice try, Harold. We'll get to all those stories again, plus your phone calls, emails, and tweets. It is the Bagels and Bad Beats for a Thursday, September 17th. And not a bad Thursday indeed. Now, it's not like last Thursday. I believe it was last Thursday anyway, where we had the MLS, we had uh, NFL, we had college football, we had NBA, we had the NHL, we had MLB, we had the WNBA, right? We had nine different uh, sporting events going on. Now, we don't quite have that, but, you know, not a bad day. We got some baseball, we got some NBA, we got some NHL, we got a little golf, we got the NFL with the, the Cleveland Browns and Cincinnati Bungles going at it, so... Not a bad Thursday after really having almost nothing yesterday outside of Major League Baseball. But still a lot to get to today. I got an absolute positive without a shadow of a doubt lock as far as the golf is concerned, which gets underway in about an hour or so. And we got NBA and uh, round two Celtics and Miami Heat. So a lot to get to over the next uh, couple of hours right here. Maybe with a bad beat on Thursday SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Bagel. Now, back to Bagels and Bad Beats with Scott Wetzel. up the first pitch left side and this should do it Max Muncy's there he's got it and the Dodgers say to the Padres not so fast San Diego takes the first game of the series to pull to within one and a half 
The Dodgers take games two and three to win the series and clinch a spot in the postseason. That's a dozen series they've won this year. They've only lost one. They've tied four. And the home run ball was key again today. They got some two out RBIs, but good long ball play. These guys have got some power and they played some defense. Dodgers Radio Network with the call as L.A. does become the first team to clinch a playoff spot, beating San Diego yesterday afternoon 7-5. Bagels and Bad Beats on a Thursday morning with yours truly, Scott Wetzel, taking you right up until 7 a.m. Eastern time. It's been a long time since we let off with baseball, a long, long time, but no NBA or NHL last night. Uh, and We do have some news to get to college football, but that broke in the afternoon, as actually the Dodgers story did. But uh, full slate of baseball games last night as we inch closer uh, to postseason play, bubble postseason play, if you will. Ten games left now. The Dodgers become the first team after 40. Uh, to clinch a playoff spot. They haven't clinched the NL West yet, but I'll tell you what, with a three-game lead now, uh, you know, with 10 games to go, you know, it's not a clinch, obviously, but four in the loss column, you know, for them not to win the division would really be something major at this point. So they beat San Diego 7-5, to five, as you heard there. They take two of three in that series. So kind of a make-or-break uh, uh, series for the Padres. And listen, they did win the first game, so they can walk out of there without uh, getting swept and having their, uh, you know, head between their tails, if you will. But eighth straight year in which the Dodgers go to the postseason, third longest streak in baseball history. They are clearly the team to beat in the National League and, and maybe in all of baseball. I don't think that's crazy to say. And uh, now that doesn't mean they will because they've probably been the team to beat the, a few years in this little streak here. But they do win 7-5 to five yesterday, and they take 2-3. of three. The first time, really, they've been challenged. You know, the first time, you know, it, you know, when eight teams making the postseason in each league, it was a foregone conclusion before they threw the first pitch that, you know, barring disaster, the Dodgers were making the playoffs. So today is nothing special. It's not anything shocking. But <clears throat> this was the first time really all year in which the Dodgers, you know, had a little threat here. You know, if San Diego sweeps, you know, we're looking at a one-game lead, and all of a sudden the Dodgers with their tough schedule and the Padres with their relatively easy schedule down the stretch, and, you know, L.A.'s in a little bit of trouble. Again, not that it matters. All you need to do is get in. And especially now with the bubble, there really is no, you know, the one thing about this bubble, and I get why Major League Baseball is doing it, but it has eliminated, just absolutely positively just eliminated the need to finish higher in the seedings. It, 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 you know, outside of who you're playing and who knows who you're playing at this point, right? You know, the number eight seed can be the number four seed or number three seed. And the number one seed Dodgers, you know, could could fall. It doesn't matter if they finish one, two, or three. It, it really doesn't. There's no home field advantage. You know, the one through four, yes, when you play that best of three, then it matters. But outside of that, you know, everyone's going to the bubble. So whether you finish second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, whatever the case may be, it doesn't matter. You know, outside of, again, having the first three games and that best of three at home, other than that, you're playing on the road, both neutral, so it doesn't matter one way or the other. So um, from that standpoint, you know, who really cares where you really finish? But, you know, for the most part, the Dodgers uh, actually came through and, and uh, did a pretty good job last night. So um, they were yesterday afternoon. Let me just do a little quick little thing here, boys, because I don't want my uh, microphone here to fall apart. Um, so hold on a second. You know, this is a little thing on the fly here. Don't worry, YouTube guys. Uh, I got to plug in. Otherwise, we're going to be in trouble here, Chris. So let me just hold on a second. I took everything out of my, you know, last night we're trying to figure out the new background and everything. And uh, we disconnected. There we go. 
we disconnected all, all the wires and everything. So this morning at 4 o'clock in the morning, Chris, my producer, and I were trying to figure out what the fudge is working, what's not working. So on the flyer, I just realized I hadn't, didn't have my computer plugged in, so I was working on battery. So we're all good. Uh, anyway, back, back to baseball. Radio on the fly. Uh, yeah, so the Dodgers became the first team to, team to clinch. Uh, Stankies last night uh, beat up Toronto 13-2, seven straight win for the Stanks, who have seen they got their mojo back. You know, you can still get them at 6-1 on FanDuel. That's that's not bad. Now, their pitching is not great, but you get this team at 6-1. I, I guarantee you, come playoff time, when they throw the first pitch in that best of three, the Yankees will not be 6-1. I'm guessing they'll be closer to 3-1. They will go off. Even though right now they're sitting in a, in a spot in which they're the fourth or fifth seed, um, they will go off as the prohibitive favorite in the American League. You wait and see. So, you know what? If, if you want to put a couple of shekels on a game or a team, take the Yanks right now, 6-1. to one. By this weekend, I bet you they'll be down to about 3-1. to one. Uh, speaking of being down, uh, Jacob DeGrom is down and maybe out. He allowed four hits, a run, three runs over two-plus innings last night. Uh, Mets uh, did end up beating the Phillies 5-4 to four because that Phillies bullpen is just absolutely atrocious. Uh, but the Mets may have won the uh, battle but lost the war if DeGrom can't go the rest of the way. We'll see. I'm sure he's going to have an MRI today uh, as he left the game again in the second inning. Minnesota beat the White Sox 5-1 last night, so Minnesota salvages one of three in that three-game series, so they move within two of the, the White Sox in the AL Central, hit three home runs in the process. White Sox could have clinched a playoff spot. Now, ultimately, they will, but they could have with a win last night, but that was not the case. Texas beat Houston 1-0. Kyle Gibson with a complete game six-hitter. You don't say that too, uh, too often, complete game. And today's baseball, Javier Baez, RBI single in the 10th. Cubbies nick, uh, knock off the Indians 3-2. to two. Miami doubled up Boston 8-4. to four. Uh, Cole Hamels, it's been a while, uh, had his Braves debut last night. Not good. Uh, beat up by Baltimore. Orioles win 5-1. to one. He goes uh, three-plus innings, allowing three runs. Cincinnati blank Pittsburgh 1-0. Reds with a nice four-game sweep of the pathetic Pirates. Cards and Brewers split a doubleheader. Milwaukee won the nightcap 6-0. Oakland top Colorado three to one. Mike Fires is now six and two, believe it or not. And uh, Washington doubled up Tampa Bay four to two, despite giving up a two out, two strike, two run homer in the uh, ninth inning that allowed Tampa Bay to tie it. But uh, Washington goes on to win anyway, four to two. And finally, San Fran beat the Seattle nine to three. Giants hitting three home runs in the process. So the way it stands right now, uh, and, and listen, there's basically ten games left, depending on which team you root for. 10, 11, 12. Um, the in the American League, White Sox are sitting in the top spot at 32 and 17. Tampa Bay next at Oakland. How about that for a one, two, three trifecta? How many people would have had those three teams in the top spot? You know, maybe Tampa Bay, Oakland, but they just don't get any respect. I'll tell you that. And Stanks are five, uh, Toronto six, Cleveland seven, and Houston is now sitting in the eighth spot. And Seattle, uh, with the loss last night, falls to 22 and 27. So they're only two ba two games back. And, and welcome to Major League Baseball 2020, right? Five games under 500 are the Seattle Mariners, and they're only two games out of the final playoff spot in the loss column. Baltimore winning last night, you know, only two games back. And uh, even the Detroit Tigers at six games under 500 with 12 games left are only two games back in the loss column as well. So that that's going to go down to the wire. Uh, I, I don't know what they would do if uh, they ended up having a two- or three-way tie, uh, you know, especially a three-way tie. Uh, would they have extra games this year? 
I don't know what the tie-breaking scenario is. Normally, they would play extra games for the final playoff spot. Would they do that? Would, you, would they just go to a tiebreaker? Uh, would they delay the postseason that much more? Where would they play that game? Over in the National League, Dodgers won, Padres two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Cincinnati has edged over St. Louis for the number eight spot. Uh, percentage points, one to be exact, over St. Louis for the final uh, wild card spot uh, at 25 and 26. Cardinals, because they played so few games, uh, are one game under at 22 and 23. And then the Brewers are uh, three are uh, three games under 500. They're right there, Roxon and the uh, Mets all trying to battle for that uh, final, again, playoff spot in the National League. That'll come down to the wire as well. You know, as far as what Major League Baseball wanted, anticipated, hoped for, they couldn't have asked for a better scenario. You, you have literally all but three or four teams in all of baseball still contending for a playoff spot. Does anybody care this year? I don't know. Uh, who knows? But uh, at least you know you have a, a bunch of teams that are involved uh, in the in the postseason chase. NBA, we got NHL later on tonight. It is round number two. Boston playing two against Miami. We can only hope uh, as far as excitement goes that we get a duplicate of game one performance. We'll talk about that. Uh, and uh, what is the NFL doing? And again, a pet peeve of mine, but something just doesn't make sense in the NFL. We'll talk about it next right here. Maybe some bad beats on SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Try my disgusting bagel. Now, back to bagels and bad beats with Scott Wetzel. 25-yard line, Nixon in the backfield, first and 10. Short pass, here comes Nixon, looking for a block from his tight end and brought down by Tranquil from behind. It is a gain of three, second possession. First down and 10, 21. Take the Nixon up the middle, it goes, and a diving catch made by Green. To talk to him for a block, and he got it up in the front by Hopkins into the end zone. Touchdown! What a skipper! Called his own number and streaks for 23 for a touchdown for Cincinnati. Dillon in a second year, rugby background. Oh, they're going to fake it. Gillum to run, and Gillum loses the ball. He wasn't going to get there anyway. And the Ravens take over. The Browns take a chance, and it backfires. Yeah, welcome to Cleveland Browns football. CBS Fox Sports uh, with the calls there for this past weekend. As we do have Cleveland versus Cincinnati Thursday night football later tonight. How about that? You know, under normal circumstances, this would absolutely absolutely be a stay away game. Don't, don't you know, don't even bother. You know, get yourself prepped for a decent day of uh, NFL football on Sunday. Uh, not a great day of college football on Saturday either until the big boys really get to play. That's the SEC. You're not going to get too many great games because the ACC blows. Uh, but you know what? This is not normal circumstances. It's, it's you know, it's the NFL, so you have to watch it. And, and, you know, believe it or not, Cleveland and Cincinnati at this point has a little intrigue. One, 
It's got the hook because you want to see Joe Burrow. You know, he didn't play great last week, but he had a great last drive. So he showed you a glimpse of maybe what's to come if you're a Bungles fan. So you want to see him and be able to watch him, you know, without flipping the channels and checking out, you know, seven or eight other games. So, you know, a little primetime action does have its benefits, and that is be able to really sit there and evaluate Joe Burrow in a football uniform, an NFL uniform. And then the Cleveland Browns, it's like a train wreck. You know, I mean, listen, what what stupid thing are they going to do? Whether it's faking a punt, whether it's, uh, you know, having missed extra points, uh, whether it's uh, head coaches are being clueless, whether it's quarterbacks throwing interceptions. Uh, you, you know something goofy is going to happen with the Cleveland Browns. You know, it's, it's there's you know, last time they were on national TV, you know, their defensive end was ripping the helmet off a quarterback and twi- swinging it at him. You know, thank you, Miles Garrett. So is that going to happen tonight? I don't know. Who knows? But it, it's a train wreck. You got to pull over and see what happens with the Cleveland Browns. So there is some intrigue tonight. There really is with Browns uh, and, and Bungles. And it's not a make or break game, I will tell you, because it's not that, you know, 0-2 is a great hold to be in. But both have last place schedules for all intents and purposes. It, their schedules are pretty easy. So even falling behind 0-2, if they were a normal football team, they'd be able to rally from that. So I'm not going to say, you know, this is a make or break, but it does kind of lead you into the direction of where your season is going. I I will say that. You fall 0-2, and it's kind of like realistically, you know, especially in the case of the Bungles, you know, they had a winnable game last week against the Chargers at home and lost. If they played the Browns, another winnable game on paper, if they were to lose that, then realistically your hopes of Joe Burrow coming in and being the greatest thing since sliced bread in year number one, probably out the window. Browns, you could probably excuse a little bit just because they were never beating Baltimore, especially after they beat Baltimore last year in Baltimore. You knew that the Ravens were going to be all pumped up for that football game. Uh, you know, and they should win this game, but at least, the, you know, it would only be one of two bad losses. But it does bring a little intrigue, uh, you know, with, with Browns and Bungles. And I got to tell you, we brought this up last week, and I'm going to bring it up again. I, I don't get it. Um, I'm not accusing the NFL of lying by any stretch, uh, more so just the opposite, really the antithesis of that. And, and that is, you know, I, I applaud the NFL. I don't know what they're doing to create this scenario. It doesn't make any sense to me. Um, you know, I don't know how on one hand they could do this and other leagues cannot do this. And why on one hand they have the great numbers they have and other teams in sports don't. What am I talking about? Well, Remember we brought up last week, you know, every uh, week the the NFL announces, uh, you know, how many tests they had for the coronavirus, right? And the results, positive, negative. So remember last week we said they tested about 8,300 people, uh, players and execs and and, uh, front office personnel and just, you know, team workers. And they literally had less than 10 people test positive, which was just phenomenal when when you start thinking about 8,000 people. Well, yesterday they announced the results from last week and they did it again. League announced 2,500 players were tested last week, 2,511. You know how many tested positive? 2,511 players were tested. These are not players living in Orlando. These are not players living in Texas, you know, specifically. Uh, These are not players living in uh, Edmonton with a bubble in the NHL or Orlando with a bubble in the NBA or Texas, soon to be a bubble in MLB. These are people that are coming to work, practicing, living in the locker room for a few hours on the practice field, hitting each other, patting each other, breathing on each other, going home, going to the bank, 
going to the post office, going to the gas stations. They're touching all kind of things that everyone else is touching. Hundreds of people go t- go pump gas. They, they tested that same, you know, handle. Uh, how many hundreds of people go to the bank and they press in those same numbers, you know, punch in your, your code. Uh, you know, the supermarket, you know, how many people are grabbing hold of that uh, shopping cart? And yet uh, out of 2,511 people, players, two tested positive. Two. They also tested close to 5,000 other team personnel. In all, because they tested these people more than once, 24,520 tests were administered by the NFL folks this past week, according to the NFL. 24,520 over basically 7,500 people, just uh, under 7,500 people. You know how many people? Out of 7,500 and over 24,000 tests, again, people not living in the bubble, People traveling all over their circles, going home, living their lives, whether it's with mask on, whether it's with gloves on or not, I don't know. But just in general, 24,520 tests, over 74 plus hundred people. And they came back last week with seven, seven positive tests. How's that possible? How is that possible to have so few? What is the NFL doing? What are they telling their players and workers to stay clean, to stay clear of the virus? I mean, Penn State alone, the Penn State football team alone yesterday announced that they had 50 players, you know, uh, test positive or personnel as well. I mean, you have different colleges canceling football games because they have too many players testing positive. We're talking about football teams with, you know, what, 75, maybe 80 people. And you have 10 to 15 to 20 people on that one team alone coming down with the virus. I mean, how is it possible? What is, what is the NFL doing? I, I Again, I'm not accusing them of lying. I'm applauding them. Will you help us out? Help Major League Baseball out so we don't have to play these dopey games in a bubble. Help the NBA out so that these guys don't have to live down in Orlando. Help the NHL out so they don't have to live in Edmonton and, and play these games in a bubble. You know, we'll, we'll help the college football world out. Call the Pac-12 and say, hey, listen, you know what? Don't worry about not playing. Here's the idea. Here's the solution. Here's our secret formula. This is what you have to do. You know, tell all the other conferences in college football, listen, you can play. This is what we're doing. What is the NFL doing? that they can test 7,500 people that are living their everyday lives and yet only have seven test positive for the virus. I I mean, I I just, I don't know. I I don't know. You know, again, how does the NFL have so few? Penn State announced they had 50, you know, different football games. Arkansas State, we said yesterday, right? Can't play football. They have too many guys test positive. You know, 75 people for Arkansas State, and they have about 15 or 20 or so. 7,500 people in the NFL, and they only have seven positive tests. I I don't get it. I I don't get it. You know, um, pat the NFL on the back. I don't know if they're reading everyone the riot act. I don't know if they're saying, listen, you know, we're going to threaten you. We're not going to pay you. I don't know if NFL players are smarter than everyone else. I don't know if NFL workers are smarter than everyone else. 
I, I don't know what to salute. I really, I, I've never been dumbfounded, you know, uh, as much as I have with these test results in the NFL for the coronavirus. It just makes absolutely no sense. You're talking about 0.00001%. Seven out of 7,500. Even if you said, well, Scott, they can test, you know, someone who's clean, they can test them a zillion times. So that those, those numbers can be a little phony. All right, so throw out the 24,000 tests. Just deal with the 7,500 different people they tested how many times over the course of the week. 7,500 people and only seven came back with a positive test. Only two players, a practice squad, apparently guy, and uh, supposedly uh, Keyshawn Johnson, a wide receiver uh, for Arizona. Uh, they were added to the uh, the COVID-19 list last week, so people are assuming that those two are the, are the two. Uh, I don't know why they can be added to the COVID list, and the world would know that, but they can't officially say that those were the two. But everyone's assuming it was those two. So. I don't know. It, it, like I said, it just makes no sense to me. It really, it, it's dumbfounding how you could have so many people and have so few positive tests, yet you go up and down colleges, you go up and down baseball, and, and you know, you're having 20, 30, 40, Penn State, 50 people uh, test positive. I, yeah, how's that possible? I, I just don't know. Just don't know. It's, it's amazing. So, anyway, got NFL football later on tonight. You got the Browns in the bungles, and uh, must see TV if uh, you're glutton for punishment. But you know what? Why not? Why not? You got, you got the hook there with uh, Joe Burrow, and you got the hook with just the Cleveland Browns being the Cleveland Browns. You know there ought to be a pool. You know, FanDuel ought to have a bet. When? How long will it take the Cleveland Browns to do the first dumb thing? You know, uh, how long will it be? Ten seconds in, opening play, opening kickoff. You know, will they win the coin toss and defer, and then decide to defer in a second half as well? I mean, it'll be something. I don't know what, but it will be something. All right, 844-843-6879. We'll open the phones next here. Big for that beat. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Try my disgusting bagel. Now, back to bagels and bad beats with Scott Wetzel. CBS Sports there with the Cleveland Browns touchdown. Of course, now he's on IR, so uh, so much for, for that. Th- that's the Cleveland Browns. He scores the touchdown, and they can't survive the game. Uh, how, how about that? 844-843-6879. Again, 844-843-6879. You know, the other big story that came out of yesterday is the Big Ten announced that it will have a college football season starting October 24th as the presidents and chancellors unanimously, which I find very surprising, uh, voted to resume play again starting in late October. Don't exactly understand why it's going to take them so long, to tell you the truth. I mean, here we sit September 17th. The players are on campus, right? I mean, theoretically, they're supposed to be going to classes. This is not like the NFL where you have to get these guys to, to fly in from different parts of the country. So they should be right there on campus. So why can't they start practice? Let, let's say not even you know today. Let's say not even Friday. Let's say not even this weekend. 
But, you know, is there any reason why they can't start practice on the 21st? And then, you know what, maybe have three weeks of practice? Do you really need almost five weeks of practice to, to have a game October 24th when you're under the gun? Now, would it be nice to have four or five weeks? Sure. But, you know, theoretically, you're talking about a bunch of 18, 19, 20-year-old kids that should be in shape. This is not professionals where they're, you know, maybe in their mid-30s and you need that extra time. I, I don't, you know, it seems kind of strange to me that they're waiting until October 24th. They're going to play eight games in eight weeks, so you have no time off. So God forbid something should happen with one of these teams and they can't play, that means that game is just lost. There's no makeup ground. That's the other thing. I don't understand why the Big Ten couldn't have gone to their people and say, listen, let's let's aim for October 17th. Let's aim for three and a half weeks. Uh, let's aim for getting your guys out there, you know, maybe not tomorrow, meaning today, but, you know, how about Friday? How about over the weekend? You know, I mean, again, how much practice do you need? Um, you know, it, it seems to me they could have started this thing on October 17th and then had one little week to, to play with just in case. You know what? <clears throat> you know, even if, if you didn't use it, you know, just to have that one ace up their sleeve to say, all right, if something crazy happens with the virus and a team, as we've seen throughout college football, can't play, we have one extra week to, to play with. And now they don't have that. So I don't know what they would do. You know, God forbid, you know, Ohio State versus Michigan and Michigan can't play or Ohio State can't play for that matter, whatever. And they're not going to play that game. And now Michigan and Ohio State both finish their years undefeated. So who gets to play in the Big Ten championship game? You know, I, mean, I don't know how they would figure that out. Would they not? You know, if, if another team went 8-0 and that didn't have to play either one of those two teams, would they get to be in there? I mean... It just seems kind of weird. I don't know. October 24th seems a long, long, long ways away. It almost seems like college football, you know, the Big Ten anyway, is saying, you know what? We're going to give in. We know better, but we're going to give in to the students. <clears throat> we're going to give in to the parents. We're going to get into the fans. We're going to give in to the networks. We're going to get into the sports talk show hosts. We're going to give in to all these people that have been moaning, bitching, and complaining about not having Big Ten football. We're going to give in, even though we know better. But you know what? We're going to put some obstacles up there. And the first obstacle is let's give ourselves a good five weeks to see what happens in the NFL and see what happens in these other college football conferences. And then we'll go from there. And then after five weeks, and really it would be longer than that since you know that would really be eight weeks into the season for, for some teams. Um, you know, if, you know, we'll, we'll go as far as we can push this thing off and still be able to be part of the college football championship. So what's the latest date we could go that we would need, you know, eight games, be able to play the big 10 championship and then still get involved in the, you know, national championship. And they circled October 24th and then had the big 10 championship game, December 19th. And they said, all right, there you go. That's where we're going to start. We're not going to start the 17th. We're not even going to start, you know, the the, uh, the the 14th or any other day that maybe the 10th, whatever the case may be. No, let, let's go as long as possible. Let's let disaster strike uh, and give every opportunity for all these other conferences to realize you shouldn't be playing football before we actually start up. I really believe that's what the Big Ten did. There's just no need for four plus weeks of practice with these kids. Not again when you're under the gun. No way, no how. Not when you're only playing eight weeks in, in eight games in eight weeks. No, definitely not. So uh, they're, they're almost, it seems like, rooting for the other conferences to fail. Pac-12, meanwhile, 
Uh, who knows what to believe with the Pac-12? You know, the whole freaking time, uh, Larry Scott and, and the Pac-12 are telling people, well, you know, we'd love to play. Gee, you know, if it's up to us, we'd be playing. But uh, the states are saying, no, no, no. You know, I got 50 zillion schools in California and another couple in Oregon that the states are not allowing them to practice. So, you know, our hands are tied. Love to help you out, college football fans. But don't blame me. Blame them. Well, then the governors, uh, both those states, Oregon and California, yesterday said, no, 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 no. Don't, don't blame us. There's no state rule that says you guys can't practice. We don't have any state law that says you can't get together and have practices. Don't blame us. So they got approval from the states, and now they got to get local approval. What is that? Uh, you know, the, what, they got to go to every single town where these schools are residing and now go to their mayors and their, you know, uh, uh, um, you know, political folks and, and get approval to be able to practice. Apparently that's the case. So, so now that's next on their agenda to have football in the Pac-12. Go to the local, you know, municipalities and get the approval to have the practices. Just seems like one big headache. Again, just like the Big Ten, it seems like they really don't want to. It, it just seems like they're creating all these obstacles and delaying and delaying and delaying. I heard uh, Larry Scott, the commissioner, tell the four-letter network this morning that he realistically is looking at early November, not even late October. I don't know where the four-letter network is reporting late October because the guy was freaking on your air, you know, five minutes ago, and he's telling them, uh, you know, it's early November, best-case scenario. So I, I don't know how they think they're going to be able to play an eight-game schedule early November uh, and still be part of the national championship picture unless – you know, maybe just maybe they can get the national championship folks to push their thing off a week or two. Uh, that I don't doubt. Maybe, you know, if there is a big time Pac-12 team involved, and I don't know who it would be, you know, USC, you know, not Washington, not UCLA, you know, not Oregon. All these teams are all, you know, reloading. They all lost their quarterbacks from last year. Um, you know, USC seems to be in the catbird seat, but I don't know if they're necessarily on that level. But, you know, that be, uh, be it as it is. You know, they would be the ones that would maybe be, get the uh, the big boys to push it back another week or two to help their cause. But early November, really, it's going to take that long to get approval. Yeah, it's crazy. But, you know, good news is Big Ten is going to start up, hopefully uh, within a few weeks. And uh, hopefully the, the Pac-12 will make an announcement within the next couple of days saying that they're going to start up as well. Because Scott did say that, you know, he wants to. You know, they have the local testing now. They have the requirements. They, you know, they know more about the situation. Some of the obstacles that were there before, he's saying, great, they're all gone now. So we'll see. Uh, we will see. Um, but like I said, ultimately, I really don't think the Big Ten and the Pac-12 really want to play. I, I don't get that sense at all. There's just no rush in this thing. They could have done this a long time ago, and they could be starting this stuff up in three weeks if they really wanted to. They need, obviously, at least two weeks of practice. But you know what? That's it. Two weeks of practice and then have a third week to know who you're playing and you can prep for that team. That's all you really need if you really wanted to play. I don't get the sense either Either conference really does. All right, 844-843-6879, a guy who loves the Pac-12 and Christian Larry Scott. The Mr. Peanut starts us off on this Thursday morning. What's up, Mr. Peanut? I'm going to try to stay calm tonight, Scotty, um, because Larry Scott is so incompetent. I need to get this out. He comes out earlier and says, oh, we're waiting for the governor to give us permission. And the governor comes out, the most incompetent governor probably in the union, comes out and says, I, I don't know what this guy's talking about. We, They can play. Go ahead. Yeah. So USC and 
USC and UCLA have gotten local permission. They are they're meeting on Friday to determine what's gonna how they're gonna go forward. You're exactly right. They must play before November. It sounds like Larry Scott's another conspirator in this whole trying to sink the election. He's trying to he's in cahoots with Kevin Warren, trying to get everybody to commit voter fraud and not be able to go outside. Well, they're, the jig is up. Larry Scott needs to be fired. I was at my local watering hole tonight. Larry Scott's name come up amongst at least 10 people at the bar. Total incompetence. The guy makes 4 or $5 million a year. He doesn't know how to do his job. He, where has he been? What's he been doing the last two months? Why do they need another six weeks to start? This guy is clueless. Who's he been talking to? What's he been doing? Nothing besides giving stupid interviews that make no sense at all. Period. I'm going to stop on Larry Scott because I want to talk about Christine Brennan, USA Today sports writer. She came out with an op-ed today that said this is the darkest day in the Big Ten history. Now, has she forgotten about Michigan State? Has she forgotten about Penn State sexual abuse, rampant sexual abuse? She should be condemned. She should be fired immediately, and she should be in prison. That is the stupidest, the stupidest cake in the history of cakes and she should be fired night scotty yeah uh you know uh, nice uh mr Pete. I, I didn't see the article i did hear of it and even my guy uh, tim brando uh who was neutral on everything great guy you never meet a nicer guy you know even sent out a tweet yesterday i did see you know tagging her article saying this is obviously ridiculous and it's it's all political you're right i mean have you forgotten about Michigan State and and uh, and Penn State? I mean, you talk about you know because the Big Ten wants to try and play football. Really, really. I mean, wow. Uh, that it's, listen. I have my own battles, so I'm not gonna you know fight her without reading the article completely. But I did see you know like I said, if if Timmy uh, says it, it's hogwash, then you gotta believe. And you're right about Larry Scott though. And, I, and kudos to you, Mister Pina, for kind of keeping it calm there because. I mean, how don't you know? You're the commissioner of the league that is shutting down football, and yet you don't know that you don't need state permission to practice. I mean, well, you're right. What are you doing? Are you, who are you talking to? Where are you getting your information from? Are you getting any information? Do you care at all? Are you just a puppet, a complete, absolute shill for the conference and school presidents and chancellors that, that they said no, so you just shut it down and said okay? And I'll come up with an excuse, and I'll just say, well, okay, I need to get state approval. I mean, you're the commissioner of a conference, a major conference, and you don't know the rules and regulations on being able to practice? It does seem kind of silly. It, it really does. You scratch your head. You know, is the four-letter network going to ask him, you know, when he says uh, we need state approval, and then the governors come out today and or yesterday and say, no, you don't? You know, are they going to ask him, like, you know, how could you make that mistake? No. I, I You know, I guess not, you know. Um, I don't know why they wouldn't, you know, it seems kind of silly. It's like, even if you said, listen, where, you know, where'd you get that idea from? You know, if you're not practicing because in part the states say you're not allowed, you know, where did you get that information from? If that's going to be one of your main reasons for not playing. And it was one of them, not the only one to be fair, but it was one of them. And it's now, you know, one of those for them not being able to practice today. And then the governors of those two states say, what are you talking about? You know, you don't need state re- approval. You might need local approval, but not not state approval. I mean, you're right. Just absolutely clueless. Just, just, just absolutely clueless. That's why I say they don't want to. 
It's as simple as that. It's it's not necessarily being clueless. It's being, you know, not interested in finding out all the facts and figures. Pac-12 doesn't want to play. and That's why he's telling the four-letter network that the earliest start would be November. You don't have to wait until November to play football. What, are you kidding me? No, they don't want to. Pac-12 clearly does not want to play football. All right, Bengals and Bad Beats on a Thursday morning. We'll wrap up hour number one. Still full hour plus to go. You're truly sitting in 844-843-6879. God bless the Bengals and Bad Beats. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Bagel. Now, back to Bagels and Bad Beats with Scott Wetzel. Here's Julie Scott Wetzel sitting in, taking it right up until 7 a.m. Eastern time. Well, they get underway in less than an hour. It is the P- or the uh, U.S. Open. You'll say PGA Championship, but U.S. Open. Your first groups uh, teeing off: Ryan Fox, Curtis Luck, and Brandon Wu, along with J.C. Ritchie, uh, Dennis Ballin, and Grayson Sig, all uh, teeing off at the uh, 6:50. So less than an hour from now, Eastern time. Tiger Woods, uh, where does he tee off? He tees off right around 8 o'clock or so Eastern time. He's in a group with uh, Colin Morikawa, Justin Thomas, and uh, and Tiger. And then uh, that same time, uh, so I guess they're going to have some starting on the ninth hole, some on the first hole. You're going to get a pretty good group of Roy McIlroy, Adam Scott, and Justin Rose. So, you know what? Forget about who's going to win. You know, good luck. I, I have this thing about having less odds than how many possibilities could occur. Uh, I either 150 golfers in this thing roughly, and you know you're getting golfers at eight to one, ten to one, fifteen to one. Webb Simpson even twenty eight to one. Heck, even Tiger at FanDuel is forty eight to one. But wait, you know, wait a minute. I got 150 or so golfers, and I'm picking one, and I'm getting you know ten, twenty, thirty to one. And that, that, that that's why I never got into horse racing outside of the majors. You know, it's like wait a minute. I got ten horses in the race. I'm picking one, and I'm only getting two to one odds or three to one odds. There's just something like does not sit well in my brain. The same thing with golf. I know that if there are 150 golfers, then I got to be getting 149 to one to win it. I'll give uh, the book the big. So forget about who's winning. The lock of this tournament is in FanDuel anyway. What will the winning score be? Plus one or better, meaning even or under par. And I got to tell you, I don't care. It's the U.S. Open. I don't care. It's Wingfoot. I don't care what previous scorers have said. This is 2020. These golfers are way too good. There's no way in the world the winning golfer is not going to be under par. I absolutely love that play. Hour number one in the books. Hour number two coming up. Scott Wetzel, Bigger Than Bad Beats. 
SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.